Let's get honest here for a second. A lot of the insecurities that you get wired in your brain originally come from your mom and dad. And not to bash your parents. I'm sure they're the nicest people. You know, I'm sure that they tried their best as parents. But it's natural for your parents to pass along their own beliefs and thoughts to you, as their parents probably did to them. And we do it unconsciously. You know, I think the way that your parents talked about themselves, the way your parents viewed themselves, leads to how you end up viewing yourself. This topic is so interesting because when you start to really connect the dots, you start to understand where your those insecure thoughts that you've got wired in your brain originally came from, then it suddenly like opens a whole new door, right? Like then it's suddenly seeing like, okay, that makes sense that I think this about myself because I, I can tell that my parents think this about themselves. And I bet they got that from their parents because their parents probably said this. You know, I love being connecting the dots and seeing that where, where insecurities origi- originate, where these struggles originate. But it's so tricky because once you're aware, it's one thing to be aware of it, but what do we do about it, right? That's why I was so excited to have this next guest on the Self Set Podcast. Her name is Lindsay Kocher, and she is a social worker who specializes in helping moms break generational cycles without harboring resentment. She's also the author of the book, I Got 99 Coping Skills and Being a B Ain't One. You're going to love this episode if you're like me and you're starting to notice like where your insecure thoughts originally came from and starting to notice the patterns among your family. You're also going to love this episode if maybe you don't have such a great relationship with your parents. Lindsay goes into how to actually address your parents when talking about these really, sometimes really difficult conversations. So without further ado, let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today. Could you please introduce yourself, Lindsay? Yeah, so I'm Lindsay, Lindsay Concher. I am um, a licensed graduate social worker, and I am the author of the book, I Got 99 Coping Skills and Being a Bitch Ain't One. And my primary focus of kind of my like niche or what I do is a lot of breaking generational cycles that are no longer serving us. So... That's me in a little nutshell. <laughs> mean by generational cycles? What does that mean? Yeah, that's a good question. So generational cycles, I kind of describe them in two different ways. They're basically the cycles or the patterns that we find ourselves. Maybe something that like your parents or your mom or your dad specifically or your grandparents were all doing and it's kind of trickled down into forming who, who you are. But generational cycles, if we're trying to break them, are probably not serving us anymore. Um, from like a more macro or a bigger level, they can be from a societal standpoint. So if you're like thinking about the things that like you grew up with as like a society, what what has been placed on us? A lot of times this could even be like just the standard, like go to high school, get your degree, go to the four-year college, get your degree, find your person, get engaged, like that, like, you know, and like that could be something that you're like, like that, that doesn't serve me. That's not what I want. That's more of a societal generational cycle. So Um, There's kind of two variants of it, but they all kind of matter and they all kind of blend into who you as a unique individual have turned out to be. Interesting, because that is definitely, I feel like, how so many of us are. Like, we get told these certain ways that our lives are supposed to be like uh, by our parents, these beliefs that they had that get passed on to us. Um, Yeah. yeah. What's kind of, where does that kind of stage of becoming aware of these general uh, generational cycles start? Like, where do you start kind of becoming aware of uh, where that's showing up in your life? Yeah, that's a good question too. I think um, it kind of depends. And I think we're kind of aware of these things as we're aging, like even like when you're a teenager, it's like, so like one example 
that is like such like it's just such a good example right is my my very best friend has um her mom's exact nose exact nose and her mom hates her her nose and talked about it all her life how much she hates her nose and how bad it is and all these things end up getting a nose job and now my friend has this exact same nose and so she's like how can I not think that my nose looks ugly you know and like same with you know her mom's mom so like it's it's that's a generational thing I mean there's no way to to dispute that that is genetic right um and so my my friend now is like you know what I refuse to hate my nose because my mom did and because her mom did and so and so and she's like and I if I decide to have children one day I will not talk about how ugly my nose is I absolutely refuse so she's the one that's like okay I'm gonna break that and how do I do it because it's something that is like so deeply ingrained in you and again, it's not something that her mom was like deliberately trying to like, you know, do, but that's just the reality of what it is. And so um, that's just one like specific, like, you know, body image example of how like it kind of manifests in her life. So she's known from, you know, her early teens when her nose started developing into what it is um, that, but like some of these things might come out a little bit later. If you're in your early 20s or your later 20s and you're like, whoa, I don't know anything about finances, for example. Maybe your parents either didn't talk about finances. Maybe it was a point of contention for people in your in your house. Maybe they talked about finances and things, you know, were actually really stable and really healthy. Great. Then maybe you don't need to break that cycle, you know, or maybe you want to change it a little bit. Um, so I think kind of, different elements of it come out at different points for different ages, if that makes sense. I guess it's kind of unique to the person. Um, and I've noticed and in, in motherhood, there's other things that have come up for me, you know, like, I, I don't want to do this, raise my daughter this way, or I don't want to do that, or I do want to do that, or that was really helpful. So um, kind of just throughout your life, you're going to kind of experience more things and like, oh, like, that was really enlightening, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. There's you were saying that there's a couple of things that popped in my head of like, you know, of course the body image that being so um, probably so common the way that your parents talked about themselves and how you kind of start to repeat those words for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm curious, like as a social worker, were there other times that you saw that among your, the people you worked with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I worked in an inpatient psychiatric unit um, for three years and primarily worked with teenagers and so that was a big one that I saw a lot was you know like just a lot of body hatred a lot of you know just and and everyone kind of has different ideal like ideal body types I guess um but it's all pretty standard there's like the fat phobia there's like all you know that kind of stuff that you can generalize Um, and so that's something that's definitely come up a lot. And like a rule for us in my household is like, we don't speak badly about our bodies. Like we just not keep it to yourself, you know, because like, that's not something that we want to impart on our children. And like, um, like, and you can kind of like fine tune things or you can kind of change that narrative in your head by like, if it's your legs or something that you're like embarrassed by, I don't know, something on your legs, then you can say like, but, but my legs get me from point A to point B, right? Like how is your body serving you and how can you change those voices that like come up for you or that negative self-talk that comes up for you and like say like, whoa, 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 
like chill out girl <laughs> that is actually not true and then give yourself the facts so start talking to yourself about the facts and say like oh no you know my my like I have a solid double chin often it's just how it is <laughs> like but I like I don't know it just you just kind of like but it doesn't matter to anybody else like my daughter still thinks I'm beautiful or my husband still thinks I'm beautiful or I still think I'm beautiful more importantly so yeah just kind of reversing that narrative yeah I love that I love that disconnecting it from the the narrative that your parents kind of taught you and looking at it as it is like, okay, how do I feel right now about how I look aside from yeah. what I've been told to feel? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. And just recognize, I feel like that's always the first step, right? Is having that awareness, having that recognition of like, oh, that's why I feel this way about X, Y, or Z. Now I can do something to change it. Yeah, I love that. The other thing that came up in my head like that, as you we were talking that I think another area this shows up other than body image is actually like, um, let's see, like how we talk, how, at least for me personally, what came up as you were talking about that is like how my family were, wasn't very honest about how they felt in general about stress in their life. It was very much like, oh, everything's fine. Just got to be on top of things, push through it. And then it's yep. like I got older and it's like, oh man, I like when I would struggle with things, I thought that you just had to push through it, like, and be not talk about how you feel. Is that mm -hmm. something also that's related to generational cycles and yeah, something that you saw in your oh, work? Yeah. Oh yeah, certainly. Yeah. And it, it's really, um, it can be like culturally for sure. Like in some cultures, it's just like, we do not talk about your feelings, like those tears, push them away because you don't get to feel those feels, you know? And I think um, that's one that definitely can be kind of more of like what I was saying, like the societal from a style standpoint, I think we have gotten a lot better about it, talking about, you know, mental health and talking about like, no, there's other feelings that exist and that like should be felt other than just being happy all the time. Like toxic positivity is definitely a thing. Um, and it, again, depends on how it kind of showed up for you in your household. Some parents might've been a little bit more like, yeah, like, it's okay. It's okay. Cry it out. Like, you know, and then other parents are like, tough it out, you know, put, pull your bootstraps up or whatever, um, that kind of stuff. So, um, but yes, that's definitely a big one. And I think that's just something that we kind of have to figure out like, okay, what is it? How, how do we find those resources um, to let us feel those emotions and like admit that we are like navigating a really hard time and a hard season and then what do we need to do to get out of that hard time and hard season? Sometimes it's important just to sit with those feelings and to recognize your emotions. Other times you're like, okay, I sat with it for three days and now I'm over it. And now I want to figure it out. Like, great, let's go, let's do it. You know, like use those coping skills, make those lifestyle tweaks that you need to in order to start feeling better. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And then I guess my other question with this is like, Okay, once you're aware that these th negative beliefs have been formed by your parents or your parents' parents, how do you not feel anger towards them? I feel like that would be very natural to be like, oh, they made, like, I struggled because they taught me this. And that was so wrong of them to teach me that. Oh, how do you absolutely. let go of that anger? Yeah. And that's a really hard thing to kind of grapple with. So I always talk about it as like harboring resentment. And so it's something that's so easy to do, especially if you came from a family, um, you know, where there, there was mental illness, where there was alcoholism, where there was abuse or where there was like, the, like you might feel anger towards that and just 
first and foremost, it's incredibly normal and natural to feel resentment and feel anger and feel sadness and feel frustration and feel all these things. So, so again, like allow yourself that self-compassion. I know you're all about that. And I totally agree is to like show yourself some compassion. It's not like the snap of a finger, blink of an eye, you're going to feel like, Oh, okay. No, no, no. Now I feel totally fine that, you know, I lived a life of hardship for a while because my parents were going through a divorce and it was challenging or something. Um, But I think it is really important to take a step back and notice when you're feeling that anger, when you're feeling that resentment, who is it really truly impacting? At the end of the day, it's impacting you and you alone, right? So like I struggled with this for a long time. Um, My parents did go through a really, really gnarly divorce. um, And there were some things that probably shouldn't have happened that did happen. And so I just remember feeling like, what the heck? Like, you know, like if you guys had been more present or if you had like done X, Y, or Z differently or, you know, all the things, then maybe I would have a more healthy relationship with myself or with my husband or with whatever. And at the end of the day, like that, that doesn't matter anymore, right? Like that was 15 years ago. It's time for me to move on. And like for me to harbor those resentments towards my parents for their choices is only hurting me, you know, it's not hurting, like, they don't know what I'm feeling, because I'm not communicating it, they don't know anything, (laughs) like, right, like, it's just, I have this anger that's, like, then, like, almost like that anger, that resentment, like, puts mental blocks up for other things to come up, like, happiness, like, creativity, like, all these different positive emotions um, that I want to, like, sit in a lot more often (laughs) than, like, in the anger, And so um, it is something that I will say takes time, first and foremost, like, again, it is not like an over the night, you know, whatever. But I think it is really, really important to stop and, and just take that breath and think like, okay, I'm feeling like this is coming up for me. What does that mean? And what is that doing? And who is it really impacting? And then you can kind of change that thought. And again, it's a lot of self talk. It's a lot of like, how should I respond to this and take a couple minutes? Like we don't have to be so, you know, if you get that text and you're like, Oh, this is the thing that she does. That makes me crazy. Like, okay. Yep. And take five minutes, take a couple deep breaths, do the things that like are going to calm you a little bit. And then again, zoom out in that big picture and think like, what, how do I respond? You know, objectively, if I wasn't harboring this resentment, how would I respond? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's kind of the things that I think to myself is like, you know, that that's actually something I talk about a lot is, is reaction versus response. And if you are harboring those resentments, if you have those negative feelings, a lot of times our initial like inclination is to react and we just react with anger. We react really fast and we don't really have time to think process. And what does that mean? So the better thing to do is take a little bit of that time and respond. And that just, that curates a little more thoughtfulness. It like gives you a little bit of space to like recognize where you're at and then do so in a calm manner. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so interesting. I think, I guess with that, I'm curious about once you're aware of this, these sort of 
sorts of generational cycles. I think it's really important to address some of it. Um, I think if there are things that you could, like, again, you have to kind of pick your battles, right? Like decide what you can kind of let go and be like, okay, that's just, that's just who she is. That's okay. Fine. You also have to consider your personal and unique dynamic with, you know, your mom or with your parents or with your dad or whomever it is that you're kind of specifically speaking to. Um, And thirdly, I would say it's all about in your approach right? If you come at somebody, no matter what the topic is, no matter what it is that you're trying to like, you know, discuss, you cannot come from like a defensive, angry place and think that that conversation is going to go well, right? So I talk about um, like the HALT method, which is a form of communication. So if you're hungry, um, angry, lonely, or tired, um, and I would even maybe like put in a second T and say thirsty, like get yourself some water. Um, But we don't, want to talk to somebody in a place when we're feeling any of that right so check first those boxes like are you hungry go get some food don't have a hard conversation (laughs) right if you're feeling angry same thing all those things check in with yourself first then approach in like a non-defensive way and just educate right so like hey I've noticed that you talk really badly about your in my friend's example about your nose um this is how it's kind of impacted me use a lot of those I statements instead of you. Like when you're saying like you do this or you do that, it sounds really like, you know, you're pointing the finger and they can get really defensive. Um, And instead you can say like, I actually feel really bad when you say stuff about your nose because I have your nose. (laughs) Right. So um, just in, in that specific example, if it's like a lighthearted conversation, it's usually pretty well received. It's like, Oh, I didn't even realize that I was doing that, you know, it's not something I don't think, you know, like maybe our parents' generation, especially our grandparents' generation, didn't take a lot of time to like self-reflect and to take, you know, take those moments and journal and do all those things. It just wasn't like a part of their world either. And so they're still learning too. And so once we start realizing like, oh, parents are just people too, it's really important to then treat them as such, right? So I think bringing that up, and like I said, I think the I statements are really helpful. The HALT method is really helpful. But then just saying, like, this is why we don't feel comfortable or this is what's making me uncomfortable about it. I really want to empower other women to feel beautiful about themselves. And when we talk negatively about ourselves, we're not doing that. So it's just not really aligning with me. Tone it down a notch, right? And like bring some humor into it or however you know, however you personally talk, like it's just, it's still you. Right. Um, but I think that can be really, really helpful and really, you know, something again, like we do, or like if we hear grandma or we hear somebody talking negatively about their body, we're like, Oh, we don't talk about that in our house. We actually, we appreciate our bodies. And this is why, and then you can talk about it maybe when the kids aren't in the room. <laughs> that makes it, that's so helpful for any, that's really any tough conversation or even casual, uncomfortable conversations. Yeah, yeah, just being oh, able definitely. to state like this is how I feel, and this is, uh, yeah, I like that kind of voicing your your needs to this person that you care about. Absolutely, and I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make is over explanation of the matter, right? Like if it if we're going back to the body image thing, if you're sitting down with your mom and saying like, "Hey, I don't really feel comfortable. This is why. This is how it's affecting me. This is what I need." Those four statements are enough. You don't need to go around and around and around and give 1200 examples and do the whole thing. No, just leave it where it's at. And that's probably, and she will get it concise, clear, constructive. And something else you touched on while you're uh, just, just now was also about like 
your parents not really maybe being in a space where they've been able to address these uh, topics. I think that's with this, with this whole thing is I think that's so such an interesting perspective to realize of like, okay, you're becoming aware of the generational cycles that you've experienced and really like your parent, you know, and you got it from your parents, but your parents got it from someone else and they might not be aware of that. That's kind of interesting to me. Like, I think that's like when we talked about the anger that we have towards our parents for maybe things that we, th- we now realize, oh, we wish had gone differently. I wonder about like that switch from the anger to that compassion of like, oh, wait, they didn't have this. They didn't have this awareness or they didn't have this. They didn't have a sort of awareness on on this topic. And so I have compassion for them and how they probably felt about themselves growing up because of their parents. And this is actually one of the few blessings I think of social media is like we are constantly like the constant input of information that we're getting can be like, whoa, it's a little too much. But I will say, depending on the accounts you're following, depending on the things that you choose to follow, like on me personally, I see a lot of like body positivity. I see a lot of things. So you have to one consider like, yes, you're getting things from your parents, but your parents didn't didn't necessarily have those other inputs the way we're having the input, right? And again, a lot of it's too much and we should probably chill out a little bit on it. But their your parents' lens was was really truly like their immediate circle. They didn't know what Courtney Kardashian was doing on right like they just they didn't have their their life growing up was a little bit different and so like I said when when we start recognizing that oh parents are people too and they didn't have the resources that are available to us it's a little bit easier to recognize like okay this is why it's not she's not getting it or he's not getting it or or whatever and so um and also I mean same is true for like our grandparents generation like think about just like wardrobe for example like women were expected to be in dresses and men were expected to be in suits and ties and it was just there was much more the the traditional quote-unquote traditional gender roles and things like that and that wasn't that long ago right like our grandparents are 60 70 80 90 years old I mean like that's really not that long ago in the grand in the grand scheme of everything and so for your parents who might be what 50 60 maybe 70s, um, probably 40s, 50s, 60s, they they didn't have the resources available to them. And I think that's kind of the easiest thing to think about. Like, oh, they were truly impacted by what their parents thought, by what maybe their educators thought, by their neighbors, their friends, but it was really immediate stuff. Um, and so I think, yeah, having, and even having that conversation during your compassion conversation can be like, yeah, I noticed that you talk about your body a lot. What was it like growing up for you and asking about their experience? Cause it can almost guarantee you people have not asked about their experience growing up in a different generation. And also like we can learn something from every generation before us, right? It's not like the things that they're doing, they're doing because they're intentionally trying to hurt you or hurt themselves or anything like that. It's just the nature of the beast. So um, yeah, just having those open-ended, really open and candid conversations, I think can be really, really helpful for your relationships. Yeah. That's, that could be really powerful. I love that. The, mm-hmm. Approaching it with like that curiosity um, totally. as, as opposed, cause especially so that they don't feel like attacked or preached at, you know, maybe yeah. it could be much more of a, you know, you're, trying to understand where this all came from. You already know how mm-hmm. it affected you. You learn how it affected them and you can have so much more compassion than for 
yourself and what you struggle with and what your parents themselves, you know, as parents are human too, you know, what they struggle Mm with. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you said approach with curiosity. That's perfect. Yep. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. This has been so great already. Like you've already hit on like, okay, becoming aware of the generational cycles, uh, what to do once you are aware, you know, those first few steps of that reframe. And then I like to end each episode of the self-set podcast with a self-reflection question. This could be any sort of like question you think that people should ask themselves uh, to really like get more aware or to really take action. So what would yeah. what would be like a question you'd suggest people uh, reflect on? Ooh, that is such a good one. I have a million of these, but I will narrow it down to one. Um, I think the best thing that we can do is be in competition with ourselves rather than getting stuck in the competition or comparison game with everyone else. And so I would challenge listeners to ask yourself either at night or in the morning, maybe try the morning. um, What can I do better today than I did yesterday? And have that. And then it's a short window. It's not like you're, we don't always need to reflect on, you know, childhood traumas and whatever. Um, sometimes that's great. But I think, yeah, sticking it to just what, what can I do better today than I did yesterday? Don't shame yourself for whatever you did yesterday, but just ask like, how can I be better? Well, this has been wonderful. I'm very excited. This, I feel you've already shared so much valuable stuff. Where can people find you online? Oh yeah. Thanks for asking. I am coping with Lindsay, um, on Instagram. And then that is also my website coping with Lindsay. I do a lot of mental health, motherhood stuff. And then, um, but the book is more kind of generic. If you ever experience stress, so every single person on the planet is available to, to learn more about it. <laughs> nice. Okay, cool. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of The Self Set. If you like this podcast episode at all, please be sure to leave a little review on Apple Podcasts. Love to hear what you think. Huge thank you to Lindsay for being an awesome guest. Love all the valuable advice she shared. Be sure to check her out on Instagram and check out her book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.